Manx Radio Podcasts, powered by Shaw. Well, hello and welcome to this week's Countryside with Kiri Kermode and Simon Clark. And, well, it's a bit away yet, but preparations never stop for the Royal Manx Agricultural Show, Kiri. No, they never do. And it takes a really good team effort to get that show up and running every year. And the new things they bring and the and the entertainment they bring from away across the water, all the organisation that goes on, it's an absolute credit to them. Yeah, and it must be one of the biggest... Um, things on the agricultural calendar for throughout the year i know you and your family have been involved for years at, at the livestock end of it in particular uh, you haven't got any brand new clean tractors to show i wouldn't think have you no not at all <laughs> <laughs> but you're right it does a lot of effort goes in for the exhibitors the farmers that bring the cattle and sheep to put on display whatever breed they are a lot of effort goes into them it's not just a few weeks beforehand but uh, years of breeding and it's nice to showcase them at the royal Manx show yeah, and uh, there's a new person at the helm this year. Yes, Carol Kenyx took up the reins from Christine. And I think uh, she's very excited about the year ahead. OK, we'll be hearing about that. Also, uh, Ned Kenyx from Port Greenwich. I went along uh, to meet up with him because he's acquired two new Shire horses um, that he's got there. And uh, I went along to find out what he was going to do with them in, in this day and age and actually watch him in action, training them up for various jobs around the farm. It takes a lot of effort to train two big horses like that, and they're certainly well kept at Ned and Sylvia. And uh, it's nice to see somebody keeping that art alive, really. Yeah, and that's something he was—he's big on saying. You know, he's—he's not—not going to gain any. He's not going to go out contracting, <laughs> trying to put Kenny Cool and all out of business. But uh, you know, it's just something he, he's been a tradition. He was brought up with it, and it's something that he just wants to keep going. Yeah. Right. And yeah, and also uh, food we'll be talking about as well. Yes, Audrey Fowler and Tony Quirk have been busy recruiting the entries for the Chef of the Year competition. And um, the entries close actually on the 12th of May, so they better get their skates on, get yeah. them in. You got your name down? No. I like to watch it though. Oh, fair enough then. Well, it's all in this week's Countryside, so here it is. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. <laughs> well, Curious, time for you to. Don the apron and enter the Chef of the Year competition again. That's right. They're busy collecting entries for this year's Chef of the Year competition and it has a shortlisted section and then a big final at the Food and Drink Festival. I went along to see Audrey Fowler and Tony Quirk to see how the organisation was going for it. The Alaman Chef of the Year competition is now in its eighth year and we are very pleased that Robinsons are once again sponsoring this competition. The Chef of the Year competition is an important part of the Food Matters strategy and will put the spotlight on Manx talent, produce and the significant contribution that the food and drink sector has to the economy. We have seen many chefs in the past cooking a variety of Manx produce in new and exciting ways. Last year's winning recipe predominantly used Manx honey, which was very unusual. We often get the fish and the meat, but Manx honey was a really nice new one. Uh, we are seeing chefs using Manx produce more and more in their recipes and this is being seen highlighted in their menus in the restaurants and that's really important to get the message out that they're using the Manx eggs, the Manx vegetables, the Manx flour. I mean I think people when they go into the restaurants that's really what they want to see. And when these um, competitors submit their entry forms they have to actually put in their recipe and it's shortlisted then whoever goes forward it will be considered on their Manx produce I imagine. Oh yes the more the Manx produce they use uh, that's part of the criteria. 15 marks is awarded for using local produce, 10 for taste, 10 for presentation and 10 for skill. 
So if you're yeah. not going to use very much Manx produce, then you're not going to do very well. So, so. we strongly recommended <laughs> chefs to do their homework. You also uh, are working in conjunction with the Isle of Man College to bring more students on board. Yes, that's right. A couple of years ago, um, through Jana at Robinson's actually, uh, we often thought about bringing uh, the younger people forward through to chefs into restaurants. So uh, it was Jana's idea actually, and we talked to Chris Franklin up at the Isle of Man College, and um, we now have um, a yearly... Uh, heats going on up there and the students up there come forward and we uh, judge them and two of them will then go through to the food and drink festival so that's part of their learning up at the college now which is great. And Tony you've been involved with the chef of the year competition and, and also you're a judge on the panel too what do you look for when these chefs come forward with their ideas? First of all as, as we said before it's really the banked produce that's the very first thing we look for and Different ideas, I guess, away from the standard fare. It has to be imaginative, yeah, yeah. but also to be able to be replicated by the housewives, the, the people, the yeah, keen yeah. chefs at home, that sort of thing as well. Not too difficult. Uh, last year's was perhaps fairly difficult, fairly sk- very skillful, yeah. in fact, and uh, what Audrey said before, using Manx honey. But I think more particularly, they, it, was, it was dessert. In the past, oh. it's always been... Uh, main course, hasn't it? Mm. And um, but last year's was a dessert that a young lady produced, and she used Manx beer, didn't she? She used Manx honey, a lot of Manx produce. So that's really the first thing. So these chefs are very creative, and and I assume that they'll be working as a chef in their job. Yes, it's their chance to show off their skills. Yeah, absolutely. The, um, they want to show off the skills, and also it helps their business as well, their restaurant, if people can go along and try, try the food that they've produced in the competition. It makes, you know, it has a knock-on effect for the businesses as well. And obviously there's a lucrative prize fund for this competition. Uh, yeah, there, there is. It's worth getting out of bed for, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, the chefs themselves can win £500 cash and a beautiful glass trophy, and the business also gets £500 in advertising. So, yeah, it's, it's certainly worth competing Already to bring young chefs on board and to take part in this competition, will they need much persuasion? To be honest, yes, they, they do. They're very quiet type of people. They're so used to cooking in the back Not all kitchen. Golden Ramseys. <laughs> very, very quiet people. Yeah, so uh, it can be a bit difficult to talk them into it. I mean, we've always had people come forward in the past and um, we're just looking for four people to come forward now for the heats. We have had a couple in already, so just looking for, you know, anybody out there that you go to your regular restaurant you think that chef would, yeah. would deserve a chance do do get them to get in touch with me and I can give them an application form yeah please when you go to your restaurant encourage the chef to compete in the competition because yeah. they can only gain from it they can only gain and I know you don't want to be knocked off your pedestal that's, I know that's difficult sometimes but it's a chance for you to show off your skills and that's what people need to see yes. sometimes yeah they're, they're trained professionals yeah. So show off yourself. The young people, yeah, the student chefs, that's quite easy to get them through. Yeah. But as you get older, you get a bit more of an ego, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can say that the last two winners over the last two years have actually wanted to apply again. Yes, So um, that right. says how, how good they, they do feel, get a lot out of it. Yes. The 29th of June will be the first shortlisted competition and then two finalists from that will go through to the Food and Drink Festival in September. Yes, that's right. There's the heats to go through and then you'll get chosen then to go through to the finals in September. I could imagine there being on that stage in that theatre at the finals will be quite an inspiring moment for them. Yeah, all they need to do is, is do what they do at work to, to produce the food. OK, you are in front of an audience. Audience, but you head down, chop, 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 
cook, 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 and yeah. just just get on with it and try not to be not trying to think about what you're actually doing in front of people. Yeah. But the whole competition, it, it basically celebrates what ma wonderful Manx produce we have here. And also it gives these chefs a platform to show off their skills. Yes, it's not out there otherwise. Um, it's great. It gives them confidence also to do other things. It's not every time you get the opportunity to, again, no. to talk in front of an audience and to be recognised. You don't know who is in that audience watching and you never know, you might end up with better job opportunities. Good for your CV. Yeah, very good for your CV. I mean, all you need to do is think of a recipe. Think of a recipe that's slightly, uh, not off the wall, but slightly that's unique and adapt that to, to, to use the Manx produce. And you've got loads of Manx produce out there, especially if you can start foraging and things like that. You know, go ahead and do a bit of that. I mean, in certain aspects, you, 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 things you can't use, like olive oil, I don't know, but, but you can substitute the, the rapeseed oil for that. Uh, you know, so there aren't many things really you can't get. And we had people going to different friends' gardens and things, haven't we? And, uh, and especially with the farmers' markets and things, oh, and all yeah. that sort of stuff, unusual things, which can be used in the recipes. So these people need to get their entries in by the, the 15th of May, Audrey? Yes, that's right. It's not that long off. Um, so, you know, do get in touch and we can give you an application form. So look forward to hearing from you. That was Audrey Fowler and Tony Quirk from the Chef of the Year competition. What's your signature dish? Beans on toast. That's your <laughs> limit, is it? <laughs> no, I do like a lamb roast dinner, to be honest. Right. I, I quite like cooking that with my mum, but yeah. uh, not that often. But it's something nice about producing your own and cooking it yourself. Mm, I think it's not just the taste for me when you watch a good chef in action. It's the way they can cut things, oh, and, isn't it, and, and present things. And I don't know, you can, I can watch it 20 times, how to cut an onion which way round, but it still never ends up with the, <laughs> with the right shape as that you get, does it? That's it, and their imagination, some of these uh, recipes that they produce are, are phenomenal, and the use of Manx ingredients they used last year, it'll be hard to beat this year, it's going to be a difficult competition. It will indeed, looking forward to that. But I'm also looking forward to finding out how Ned Kenyuk got on uh, with his two new horses that he's brought over. I popped along to Port Gurney to have a chat with them, to have a look at the horses getting trained and to find out what he was going to use them for in the end. When we get down the road a little bit further, I'll show you. I feel I'm going to plough with these horses. And when we get the seeds in it, I'm going to cut it. I haven't got a raper for these horses, but I'll get a cut, but I'm going to rook it and make loose hay with it. I've got a new tumbler made because all the tumbling rakes have all, a bit like us really, they've all got <laughs> all together <laughs> and they've all rotted away. So I've got a new one made just so as to have one and to have, like I'm privileged that I was shown how to use a tumbler when I was going to school and I still can. There's one or two of my generation that will have used tumbling rakes not too many, and we're getting less every year. So I would like to have these horses educated to do them sort of basic cultivations, primarily to preserve them. Financially, this is a disaster. <laughs> but You're not going to get many farms ringing you up to get <laughs> no, contracts. <sir. laughs> no, sir. But I'm doing it largely for my own satisfaction and to maintain the tradition. That's what I'm doing. Like, Well, let's say we've got them out here now, the horses on the, on the piece of road here. We're going to take them down the road. Are they fairly easy to sort of manoeuvre? A lot depends on how you fetch them to this stage. If they've been handled through their growing up they're not too bad 
you see, this is one of the hardest things, to get them to stand still. Oh, right, OK. And standing still is nearly as important as going forward. Well, they've not been bad. They've been patient so far. And, well, I've threatened them before you come. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they're good. But it's also part of the discipline, Simon. Like, when I tell them to stop, I want them to stop. And when I say go, I want them to go. You know, that's part of the discipline. Can we move them on? Come then. Daisy, Patch, come again. I'm using, I'm using the road, like I'm cheating a little bit, because the road gives me a boundary on either side. It's like running down an alley. Whereas if I was trying to go across a field, they could deviate either way. Right, yeah. So, so I am cheating a little bit. <laughs> so they can all, only go forwards or backwards. Yes, indeed, <laughs> indeed. We're going to get them going here down the hill here on the road. Is yeah. it a difficult job, is it? No. Well, these two are well behaved. What I'm trying to achieve here, I'm trying to achieve compatibility. You know, for horses to work together, they've got to be compatible. You can't have one horse fighting with the other. That's part of what I'm doing here, is to get them to accept each other, working alongside of each other. And I can put some basic discipline into them in the process and it's only very simple but it, it is vitally important that you can stop them when you want to stop them and you can start them when you want them to go now it seems simple but you know it's nearly as important for a horse to stand still as it is for him to go forward well they've been patient so far with well, they, well they're doing good yes it's a fine evening so <laughs> so how do we get them going oh there's various means and everybody will have their own method but it's all according to what the horse is used to whatever you say to them Come lady, come then, come girl, Daisy, Patch, come girl. Well, Go ahead. heading off. There they are, they're yes. away now. Yeah, Just nice the, and gentle. Give them time, yes, you don't want them rushing into it, breaking the chains and, and getting excited and sweating and, and upsetting me. <laughs> do, they, do they get excited if... They if, can do, they yeah. can do, the same as us all. But it's better if you can keep it calm and not too excited and usually things come with you but you know some of the things that we had to put up with couldn't hear with horses and the horses would be covered in krogans covered absolutely go five yards and the knife would be stuck back up it was a real frustrating job sometimes and that's the time when when you got bad behavior but normally I'm fortunate. I'm able to do more or less what I want to do with them. I'm not forced into doing anything. So I can take my own time and give them their own time. And at the moment, it's working very well for me. One is slightly bigger than the other. Is that always the case where, where that one's in charge, the bigger one? No, no, no. Daisy, these two are, they're peculiar. You know, they're individuals. I say I'm looking for a pair. I'm looking for a compatible pair, but I haven't got a compatible pair because I got two different characters. Normally, what you said was right. We do get one dominant horse. Now, here I've got two dominant horses, but they're dominating in different directions. Right. Yes, yes. The bigger horse, normally, you tend to keep the dominant horse to take charge of the pair. You know, when you're turning, the dominant one will shuffle round and she will sort of barge the other one round in a nice way, yeah. but she will encourage her that that's the way to go. Come on, we need to turn you. Let's yes, get on. Yes, that's right, yeah. that's right. And she takes charge. But with these two, 
I've got that in one horse, but in the other horse, I've got something totally different. She is mischievous and likely to do something, not naughty, but um, not quite, but she's of a different breed. She's right. a, the, the smaller horse that you see in, is out of a, a piebald gypsy cob stallion. Right. And uh, the little horse was bred to be a drum horse in the household cavalry. But she came out the wrong sex and the wrong colour. So they didn't want her. So their loss is my gain. Well then, well, what, what, what age are they? Well, men? They're four year old now. Right. Four year old. And uh, I should have started with them last year. They're better if you can get started with them earlier rather than later. Got them turned with quite ease for two large animals. Indeed, indeed. You need to give them time to turn. When, you, when you're starting off, they will learn themselves. You, can, you know, you can turn a horse with, with vocal commands. You don't lean lines on some horses. You can turn them with vocal commands, but you've got to give them time to learn. Well, would these two plough? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. They'll do anything you want. I have great respect from a man who used to breed horses in Yorkshire, a fellow called Jeff Morton. And he said that a horse is basically stupid. He's only got a small brain, but he's got a good memory. All right. And if you can get it into his brain what you want him to do, the horse basically wants to please you. And if you can get it into his brain what, he wa what you want him to do, he'll do it without too much effort. You, you know, you've heard of milkmen and delivery men and horses that knew every house where they wanted to stop. And that was only through repetition. But horses are, are good. Daisy, Patch, come lady, come then. Howdy girl. They're addicted to garlic. Aye. <laughs> I think it's stinking stuff, but they seem to like it. But but they will do anything, and, and you're you're going to be using these, uh, like you said earlier, now, as as part of your farm work for your own satisfaction. For and keep, own, yeah. Yes, and keep the tradition going. A lot of the skills that I was privileged to be taught when I was growing up, I feel it's incumbent on me to try and keep that going and try and pass it on. This is whoa. That'll do. This is the field. I'm going to cut hay off next year. This is the field I'm going to rook and make loose hay. Now, everybody made loose hay at one time. It's not easy. Rooking hay and then carting it, dragging the rooks in with the horse and then forking it onto the stack. And it doesn't finish then even, because after you get it into the stack, then you've got to cut it. You've got to get... <laughs> if you can find a hay knife <laughs> and get it sharp enough... Get somebody to make it. <laughs> and get it sharp enough... And then, uh, but it's traditional. And I could use the argument there's no future in this, and that's true. But there's also, I think there's an obligation on some of us to look backwards and, and try and remember where we come from. I think so. It's fabulous walking around with it now and sort of thinking what it would be like, because I never had anything to do with it when I was a young lad. We didn't have horses. No, but, no. but standing behind the two horses walking with you, it gives you an idea of the power that's in them. Yes, and you yes. think there's only two horses and what they had to do. That's right, that's right. And they cultivated the whole of the Isle of Man. Mm. But it's not quite as blatant as that because there is an affinity between the man and the beast. 
you know, and it's a job to quantify that, what, what I feel for the horses and what they feel for me. You know, it's got to be mutual. It's got to be mutual. It's got to be a bond. It, absolutely, absolutely. And once you strike that, like it's, uh, you know, you hear of horsemen when they're finished at night, when they go home, they feed the horses and they have a bite of tea, and then they'll go back and they'll sit in the stable for the rest of the evening, you know, All just right. talking to the horses and, and grooming them. They live together. And it sounds a bit basic, I don't, and it was basic, but that's the way it was. That's the way it was before the days of television. The satisfaction you get from this, you know, somebody said to me that the definition of an expert is somebody who makes a difficult job look easy. <laughs> now, this job looks comparatively easy tonight, now, but I'm not calling myself an expert. What I'm saying is we've spent quite a lot of time fetching these horses on to this stage and now the job is relatively easy. Mm -hmm. and, and we can take them on to the next stage now. The basic education is done. It's just a matter of fetching them on now into perfecting their skills and, and allowing them to do what I want them to do. I wouldn't do this if I didn't enjoy doing it. Like, you couldn't pay a man to do this. If he didn't want to do it, it wouldn't be a waste of time. But... Uh, there's an awful lot of pleasure to be had out of this. Well, what an education that was. Uh, obviously not having nothing to do with uh, how horses work, particularly in pairs. I've ridden one or two in the past. But Ned Kennick there showing me how to train them up and what they were going to be used for in the future and uh, looking forward to that in, in time when he gets out the field with them to show them work and in harmony, he, he hopes. <laughs> <laughs> he has been very successful in the past. You go past his little farm there and, and they are often out doing bits and pieces with the hay and, um, yeah, he's very, very gifted with the horses. Yeah, and it was tough because they they find them shires like they're quite quite big in stature aren't they but beautiful animals just, oh, you can stroke them and they just want to please they, they've got that face on them and the look of them as though they want to do good and help the farmers that's what i like about them that's it they're willing to work and they put in long hours back in the field so i imagine these pair will be raring to go yes manx radio's countryside is brought to you by nfu mutual well, the preparations for the Royal Manx Agricultural Show go on all year round. And I caught up with Carol Kenyuk, the new secretary, who's taken up the reins for this year. It is indeed. It's a very new role. I've been heavily involved with the catering side of the show. And when the position of the secretary became available, I applied and was offered the role. I suspect this was a bit of a surprise, maybe? Very much a surprise. <laughs> um, it certainly wasn't something that I thought um, I would be capable of. It's um, a huge challenge for me, but that's something I was looking for. Yeah. It's extremely varied. No one day is the same as the other. You've got uh, big boots to follow in Christine. You know, she was an exceptional secretary. She certainly was. Um, I hope that one day I will have half the knowledge that Christine has about the Royal Manx show. If ever I'm stuck, she's simply a phone call away and can point me straight to the right direction, what I need to do, what I should have done, what I need to be doing. <laughs> um, as I say, a very, very hard act to follow. But it's not just agricultural, an agricultural show anymore. There's so much more to it with the, with the new entertainment that you're putting on every year. Yes, this year again, we have recognised that a lot of our footfall, and especially on the Friday, are not necessarily agriculturally linked. Um, we do look to vary the entertainment. Um, again, this year we've got the Stampede Stunt Company coming over. They're over for the two days. and They've been very popular in the past. 
together with um, the dogs and ducks and lots of other local entertainment. Um, Pony Club Games is always a favourite, yeah. as is the um, dog agility. But also this year, with you saying that it's not all, uh, you want new changes to the show, catering tenders have been put out to mm-hmm. try and find mm-hmm. some new new faces. New faces. Um, we listened to feedback that we'd had that um, given the amount of people that do attend the show, that sometimes the queues are a little large. Last year they put tenders out and we had a small we accepted a small amount of tenders back in. Again, this year we've doubled it and that really is to stop the queues and to allow people just a greater variety of choice. Not everybody wants the same thing, so hopefully that will be successful for the people who have tendered as it will be for us. Well, lots of people always look for Manx produce at the show, you know, the, the deaf tents always seem to be really popular. Is this something that you were looking for in the tenders possibly? Yes, um, that was our main stipulation in the tender is that all produce where possible must be Manx produced. With also attracting young people and people of all walks of life, there's some new livestock classes for the younger people. That's correct, we've introduced again by request It's a Young Handlers Any Other Dairy class, together with Young Handlers for Beef classes. Um, So we've no idea what sort of uh, volume of entries they'll attract, but it's something that we're desperate to build on. It's obviously teamwork at the Royal Manx Show, the construction of all the tents, the the marking out of the car parks. It's not done overnight. No. As you say, I've been involved for many years, but this is a real eye-opener. We've been preparing the show really since the end of last, last year, Once the boxes and everything are put away, then we start looking towards preparing for the new show. As you say, it's completely and utterly teamwork. No one person is more important than the other. And the guys spend many, many nights putting up tents and setting out the show fields. And without John Quayle, I don't know where any of us really (laughs) would be. I think the whole show is designed on the back of an envelope. And it always depends which envelope he's got in his pocket at that time. <laughs> but like you say, it's the exhibitors on the day, the people that bring the livestock, the stall holders. It's a family day out. It is a family day out. But I think one of the most important things um, I'd like to get across, as you say, I've said it's a year of preparation for us. For the exhibitors, um, it's simply years and years of breeding. And I'm not sure whether that's something that everybody who comes to the show will actually appreciate that. You don't just wake up on the morning of the show and decide, oh, today... I'm going to bring some cows, I'm going to bring some cattle, I'm going to bring some sheep. There's months and months of preparation. The sheep and the cattle that are on display are some of the finest the Isle of Man produces. They certainly are, and um, the Royal Show, uh, together with the Grand Parade, is the pinnacle of, um, I think, for Manx agriculture to be handed the Deemster Johnson trophy must be an amazing feeling. Each year we have a new president and they get the privilege of choosing a judge. They do. This year our president is Andy Corran. The judge is a very, very heavily guarded secret. Um, (laughs) Nobody can ever be drawn or be told um, who that judge is until the minute that he or she steps foot into the main ring. So are you, Carol, looking forward to your first show as the new secretary? Oh, very much so. Um, I'm sure there'll be lots of sleepless nights, um, possibly a few tears, but no, I'm very, very much looking forward to it. I still have Christine for guidance. Couldn't do that without her. And there's lots of helpers and volunteers. The show is built around volunteers, and without those people, we just quite simply wouldn't exist. So all we need now is a good day of weather. It's going to be a good day. We don't, we don't think of it any other way. That was Carol Kenyuk, the new secretary for the Royal Manx Agricultural Society. It's nice that um, a bit of praise there for Christine Payne, who's been the secretary for many, many years, because I've spoken to Christine in the past as well and found out the organisation <laughs> that has to go into it. And 
I mean, you know, trying to organise farmers is a difficult job in itself, <laughs> isn't it? Hey, be that's there, it. Be there for seven, can you? <laughs> yeah. Nine o'clock, they might roll yeah, in. Yeah, that's it. But no, it's a massive team effort there at the Royal Manx and it takes weeks and weeks to set up and all the storage and everything that goes with it. And um, she's she's really keen to take up the reins and I wish her well. Yeah, be a good event. So uh, try and support these uh, local events and go and see the animals. Oh, definitely. There's many <laughs> hey, good ones on yeah, show. There'll be plenty of farmers willing to explain what the difference are between them, isn't there? This is it. Okay, if you've got anything for countryside, let us know and we'll, uh, if it's worthy for the programme, we'll come round and uh, do a piece with whoever's involved in it and broadcast it on Countryside with Kiri and myself. Countryside at manxradio.com is the email address or leave a message here at Manx Radio for Kiri Kermit or myself, Simon Clark. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Well there, preparations well underway for the... Uh, 2017 Royal Manx show, Kiri, isn't it? And it's uh, just an all-year-round thing, as Carol was saying. Yeah, it's it's, it's big undertaking. And there's, like I said before, there's lots of entertainment to organise. But there's something for everybody. It's a full family day out. And it's not just livestock and tractors. You know, it's something for everybody on that day. Yeah, I'll have to get my apron ready for the Chef of the Year competition. (laughs) And also try and get the smell of Ned Kenyuk's horses out. (laughs) (laughs) We'll leave it there for this week's Countryside. We'll be back next week with more. So from me, Simon Clark. And me, Kiri Kermit. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Don't sit in the slow lane. Join the fast lane right now with Shaw's all-new Superfast Plus Broadband. Enjoy more bandwidth, amazing speeds and the best value on the island from just £23.95 per month. So don't be left behind. Get a piece of the high-speed action with Superfast Plus Broadband from Shaw. For details, visit our stores in Douglas, Ramsey and Port Erin or click shaw.com. Love being Shaw. Terms and conditions apply.